Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher, where our mission is to foster allyship, empathy, and understanding. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are tuned in to Civic Cipher. Indeed you are, and a very special episode at that, because for those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, uh, you might have noticed the music that we play, particularly at the end. It's a song called Proper Propaganda by the Dilated Peoples. Um, and the song really speaks to the spirit of this show. You know, we're hip hop journalists, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and we report on lots of uh, the goings on in marginalized communities around the country. Well, that song is not just a song for us. That song represents family and uh, Raqqa Iris Science of the dilated peoples will be sitting with us today to discuss really the origin story of this show that you're listening to right now because he was instrumental in helping us get this off the ground um also some new music that that he has put out recently um you may have heard that depending on which station you're listening to and we have a whole bunch of other things that we need to talk to him about as well and it's his first appearance on the show so welcome big brother Raka. <laughs> To Civic Cipher. I appreciate it. Good to be here. I'm proud of you guys too. Excellent work. Absolutely. Means the world, bro. Means the world, man. Sure, sure. So there's that and so much more to stick around for. Indeed, we will be talking about for our way black history fact, some of the things that were used as loopholes, uh, that were used against black people that have marginalized black people. We of course are going to be discussing, as always our weekly example of becoming a better ally. And as I mentioned, so much more. So be sure to stick around for all that. But first and foremost, like we always do at this time, let's start things off with some ebony excellence. Shall we? We shall. And uh, you wanna take this one? Sure. All right, let's get it. Today's ebony excellence brought to you by Actively Black. There is greatness in our DNA. Mm. Visit activelyblack.com. Uh, this comes from Black Enterprise. Queen Latifah is officially the first rapper to be a Kennedy Center honoree. Mm -hmm. The Grammy Award winning rapper was among five recipients celebrated at the 46th annual Kennedy Center Honors in Washington, D.C. Along with Latifah, honorees include vocalists and songwriters Dionne Warwick, Renee Fleming, and Barry Gibb, along with actor, comedian, and filmmaker Billy Crystal. Held annually to celebrate the honorees' contributions to American culture, President Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, and second gentleman Doug Emhoff led the event held at the White House. Robert De Niro honored Billy Crystal and Missy Elliott recalled the impact of Queen Latifah's feminist anthem, Ladies First in the Hip Hop World. Former honoree Rita Moreno introduced Latifah. Actress Carrie Washington and Elliott followed up with testimonies praising Latifah in a lively set started by four-year-old social media phenomenon and rapper Van Van. MC Light, Moni Love, Yo-Yo, and D-Nice performed Latifah's Had It Up To Here. Rapper Rhapsody performed Poetry Man, followed by gospel groups The Clark Sisters and Reverend Steph and Jubilation, who sang You Brought The Sunshine. Washington shared Queen Latifah's origin story when eight-year-old Dana Elaine Owens flipped through a book of names and chose one as her own, Latifah, an Arabic name meaning gentle, kind, and pleasant. One time for the queen. Absolutely. And you know what? One Another another one of her songs that we actually play on our show, too, is U-N-I-T-Y. Uh, U-N-I-T-Y. And so you may have heard it. And if not, 
you may hear it at some point in the future, but obviously Queen Latifah is more than Ebony Excellence. She is a pioneer. So shout out to her. So Raka, man, it's an honor. It's an honor. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I mean, you're the guest. So tell us a bit about some of the connective tissue uh, that exists in our DNA. We'll start the story uh, there. <laughs> the connected, we're, we're brothers. Indeed. <laughs> so, I mean, we're brothers. Um, I don't know how deep into the how deep into it you want me to get, but we're like actual like blood brothers. <laughs> so it's like um there's that. Um, but also, you know, culturally, musically, um, yeah, I mean, community wise, like uh we, we kind of found ourselves in a similar, you know, both working in our in our respective lanes just found ourselves in, in a similar lane where it was able to, you know, even if we weren't brothers and, and, and there wasn't um, a time that we weren't always around each other, some kind of way we would have found ourselves, you know, on the same, at that same intersection anyway, just because of how, how we worked and how things worked out in life. So yeah, I'm, it's good to be here. Like I said, I'm proud of both of you guys for sure. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So um, one of the things, and I appreciate you starting us off there because I think that, for we we've had a lot of new subscribers, a mm -hmm. lot of new followers, a lot of new listeners. We've we had new partnerships, so we're on in a bunch of new cities. Yeah, exactly. We're we're over seventy now, uh, seventy cities around the country uh, carrying the show. So a lot of new people, Excellent. and these new people may not know where the show comes from. And so I'll take this time to kind of give us a little bit of um, a story. So in 2020, when everyone was out protesting, we were out protesting. Why was everyone out protesting? Oh, because of the murder of George Floyd and, and the, the affirmation. Go ahead. The subsequent uh, ending of the life of Breonna Taylor. Ex exactly. And the affirmation Black Lives Matter rose to its highest prominence um, ever. And we were among those outside, you know, with the signs and, you know, making sure that our lives and the lives of our children were affirmed. Mm -hmm. um, we had this idea that we should probably bring some of the conversations that were being had on the street to the radio space because Q and I are both broadcasters and that is a career that was started by you Raka. So thank you for the whole career. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> your nephew, your nephews, <laughs> thank you for that as well. So, um, right. so it, it, but um you know, you being a a hip hop icon and a long standing, um, you know, um, media personality, you know, um, writing and and sharing these stories about, you know, what life is like and what life could be like, and you know, a lot of your music is about allyship and you know, supporting and making sure that people feel that brotherly love. Everyone always calls you a big brother. I'm fortunate enough to where it actually is literal <laughs> but uh but you know that that has definitely found its way into your music and it, that has influenced me and has allowed me to create opportunities for the people around me as well but back to the story in 2020 um when all these things were happening we have this idea of bringing some conversations to the hip-hop broadcasting space right we're on hip-hop radio and we thought that hip hop radio could do more than just post a black square on Instagram. They could allow us to to tell these stories and to explain what's what's going on. 
And after some back and forth, they, they, they said yes, they said no. Then ultimately we decided to quit. We got a lot of support when we quit. And a lot of those supporters offered us a space to actually create the show that you're listening to right now. And this is why this conversation is important with you, Raka, because in that little gap, in the gap between us getting a green light to do a show and us actually airing the show that people hear right now, you had a very, very formative conversation with me. And I know you remember this, but allow me to paint the picture because it was so impactful for me and you were just being a big brother as you always are. But effectually what you communicated to me was don't forget the people who are out there supporting you. You know, I'm in Phoenix and you're in California, of course, but I'm in Phoenix. And so there's not a, a big black population out here. So there was really all of humanity, every walk of life, every faith, every race, every socioeconomic background, every everything. And, you know, you made sure to say, you know, don't forget those people who supported you. If if they need you, make sure to be there for him, for them. And that really found its way into the DNA of this show. This show exists to foster allyship. And, you know, at present, we share the stage with, with Palestinian people, with Jewish people, so that they can have conversations and we can get to the bottom of things, you know, if we're doing our best. Um, obviously, during the height of the um, Stop Asian Hate Movement, we did the same. And, right. and we continue to, to work uh, in partnership with these communities and their organizations as well. And this all came from you. So I guess to get you started, talk to us about that thinking. Why was it so important for you to impart that advice over here? What is it about allyship that you feel makes things so special um, and, and makes things feel like they have a more potential? Well, I believe in allyship. Um, I believe in reciprocity. I believe that um, when people connect with you and extend themselves to you because they feel um, a need to contribute to the progress of humanity and they feel connected to you as a person, connected to the cause, they can see why it's an important cause, even if it may or may not direct, whether it directly affects them in their day-to-day -day life or not, if they can see that this is something that needs to be addressed and they extend themselves, then uh, I think that that should be acknowledged and not taken for granted um, that people have to do that, you know, especially as the, even the demographics of America changes, things change here. Um, it gets a little bit more muddied and complicated when you're talking about history and you're talking about positioning. So I just think it's very important. I always thought it was very important that, you know, you support and you stand up for justice where you see a need for that, not just for people that may look exactly like you and that in doing so you show that that mutual respect and that camaraderie, that brotherhood or, or that family bond, community bond with people who will do the same. Um, I think a lot of that came from growing up at, at, early on as a graffiti artist in L.A. Um, it was an extremely diverse scene um, in your crew. You might have a crip, a blood, two cholos, mm -hmm. a sharp skin, a sharp skinhead, like two rock and roll dudes and like an art student or something like and they might all be in a crew together. And they have nothing else in common but 
on you know the, the, this one thing and maybe on the weekends they get together and paint and they, at that point they're brothers whatever happens they're gonna go for you they're gonna look out for each other so growing up in that space it was different than coming up first as a rapper um which doesn't have that especially or maybe more so now but when i was coming up it wasn't really a diverse a really super diverse scene there wasn't like a lot of support for that diversity so i think just coming up in graffiti just made me more family and community based um and I think that kind of helped to to guide how I how I created my music, put together my group, or or reached out to d different crews I was down with, and all that it came out of that that kind of mentality. I mean, of course, you know, it's not about that. You know, it's important that people understand it's not about diluting your message. It's not about um, always trying to align people with something that's very specific. It's not about um, you know trying to force any of that it's an opportunity to just build bridges and those bridges can be very helpful and very useful as long as they're mutual mm. you mentioned the diversity in your crew um as a former athlete and uh, as a dj a lot of the connective tissue with what you just said i noticed at concerts at sporting events where you have these people from all different backgrounds uh, different ethnicities different religions uh, people that love, pray, think different, but in the yeah. space they're in at a basketball game or a concert, they're cheering, they're hugging each other, they're high-fiving. For that moment, they have this common ground that brings them more together as people. And it's like as soon as the clock stops, as soon as the band stops playing, we go back to all the things that divide us. Um, yeah. part, of the, part of the issue when we started Civic Cipher, one of the things that kind of sparked the thought was when we would come back from protesting, you know, with our children, with our brothers and sisters, like I said, that that didn't always look, think, pray and love the way that we did. We would turn on the news and there was a slanted message on TV by the powers that be in, in, in big media telling us how violent and, you know, how these violent riots were tearing up the city. And we're like, no, we were outside. It wasn't like that. Right. When you have machines behind telling a story from one point of view. And when you're trying to show up and not just be an ally for others, but welcome people to be an ally for you, uh, what are some advice you would give, not just us, but other people that want to share this stage on how to cut through the noise? Because there seems to be an intent on amplifying the things that divide us and muting the things that right. make us the same. Um, I was trying to think of the, the person who actually made the quote, but I, I remember reading it in um, a good friend of mine, Adisa Banjoko, who um, he has um, 64 squares right now, but it used to be the Hip Hop Chess Federation as an organization I was I was involved in for a long time. I'm still involved in 64 squares, but um, he's into jujitsu and stoicism and philosophy. Um, and in, in one of his books, um, there was a quote that said, and I'm paraphrasing now, it says something to the effect of, um, don't judge people by the worst examples of their community, judge people by the best examples of their community. Mm. And I think that for, for, for people that are in your community, or in this case, in our community, um, it's important that we don't, um, demonize critique. I think we have to be able to critique ourselves. It can't be a situation because, I, I mean, I understand the, the 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 concept of you know, 
handle that at home or the concept of let's not put that out in front of other people. And, you know, yeah. on a certain level that there is something to that concept, but there's also not like a secret meeting on Saturdays to actually have that conversation, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. so it doesn't get spoken. It doesn't get spoken about in public because nobody wants to put anybody on blast, but it also doesn't get at least uniformly spoken about in private. So right. a lot of these things don't get said. So I think that first and foremost, you have to be able to be critical, but constructively critical about your own community, whatever that community happens to be. And then this situation, like we were talking about where this came out of that, that, that time when we were talking about uh, Breonna Taylor, we're talking about George Floyd, we're talking about, you know, numerous other people that aren't on the front page of newspapers or, 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 or don't get the headlines or whatever the case may be things that, you know, to some of the, some of which still going today, um, that type of focused energy, that type of focused light and attention isn't something that you can just put together. That's something that happens organically. There's really people feeling that connection to the situation. And in those cases, there has to be an extension. There has to be an opening of community in order to let them know that we have, in order for there to be a community, there has to be something common. There has to be something mm -hmm. where we all, we're all coming together in this particular space. Um, and reciprocity again like to to be able to reciprocate the energy and the love to let people know like we appreciate you looking out for us and we're also keeping an eye out for you it's not just about you look out for us and we look out for us and that's mm. the end of the conversation yeah yes sir you know there are different communities if you speak to them they have different issues some of some of which have the, some of them have the same issues some of them have different issues yeah but everybody wants to be heard everybody wants to be seen everybody wants to be treated fairly everybody wants justice as they see it so aside from being critical of ourselves we also have to be willing to be open and to reciprocate the love and the attention and the support we're given in when things like that happen organically so people don't feel like uh I, you know i showed up but it's not mutual you know they're not showing up for, for me when i have this particular issue they're not even listening which is one of the reasons why you know this platform this show is so important because you know, you, you really do speak for the, the greater community. There really are issues dealing with Latino people. There are issue, issues Absolutely. dealing with Asian people. There are issues issues dealing with different religions. As you said, the situation right now with, with Palestine and Israel, like these are issues that need to be spoken about and at different on a spectrum and to varying degrees, they affect the black community directly or indirectly or somewhere in the middle. But ultimately, we're all connected in the global community, and we have to be able to speak on these issues and also understand how it ties into the to the issues that we face, even in our homes and our in our in our particular communities. So, so let's do this. Let's take a couple of minutes and talk about because you already know this, and it's it's well documented in all of your music. So, let's talk about the role that music plays in shaping the hearts and the minds of people in society how have you seen your music impact the world uh on an individual level or you know even on a greater level my music in particular sure sure or music in general but but i'm oh, talking well about music in general for sure i mean it's it's one of the things that you know it's one of the things that connects the world um you know people could feel the rhythm or listen to the heart the melody of something and not even necessarily 
understand the language. I mean, there's songs that are in English that you can't understand what they're talking about, but sure. you, you still love it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's, just, that's just, that's what it is. So um, I think that, you know, first and foremost, there's that universal rhythm. There's that drum. There's that thing that takes us back to the original energy. And I think that that's extremely important. Uh, you could talk about ohm, the vibration, like these things that are really important to really connecting everybody. Um, but music is a hammer. You know, you could build with it, you could destroy with it. Mm. You know, you could protect with it, you could kill with it. Mm. You know, you could do a lot with that. And I think that the the people at the top of whatever the situation is understand that, you know, watching a movie is one thing. Like somebody force feeds you or hands you a, an, an image and you process it and you accept it. Okay, I'm going to accept that or I'm going to try to block it out. That is what it is. When you listen to music, you're actually creating those movies in your mind. Like it's sparking something totally different. It's giving you an opportunity to, to, to be a part of it. So it's bringing you in at a different level. And it really, I think, makes it that much more dynamic and that much more critical. Um, it's, a, it's a touchy situation because obviously as a musician, you know, I understand that a lot of people listen to music because they had a tough week and they want to escape and, and have fun and kick back and chill. And that's what they listen to music for. Okay. For me, I, I came out of an era of edutainment, so I always felt like, you know, we might, you know, I'm not to say that everything is a textbook, but we always try to leave at least a jewel or a gem and everything, if, if not make it a full, you know, something, you know, something fully holistically edutaining where they can actually be entertained and educated by it. So, so let's, so that's what I want to talk about. So let's take, you know, uh, uh, about a minute and talk us through where you were mentally when you wrote the song we're about to throw to, which is the singularity. The singularity. I mean, it's something that that's been on my mind for a minute, obviously um, with the, with the um, advancements in, in AI and artificial intelligence. Um, and when you take a look at the fact that, you know, you have psychopaths and sociopaths running all types of things, um, you know, which is how we end up in a lot of the issues that we end up in in society. And then you have something as powerful as artificial intelligence, where the speed and the accuracy, not necessarily to the truth, but to the information that they're presented with, is unparalleled. And you have now artificial intelligence building artificial intelligence, which will then be building artificial intelligence. And the evolution of that you know, has the potential to be very scary. Yes, there are excellent uses for it, too. I'm sure it's going gonna, it's gonna to save a lot of lives in a certain in certain areas, you know, when you when you're able to apply that, but at the same time, the uh, the potential for abuse of power, um, the potential negative effects of big business, you know, um, we're being bombarded with stories about Chat GPT and OpenAI and this and that, and this is just how I was feeling about it at the time. 